Hello and welcome back to Mark Pearson's Property Profits, where today we will be looking into mortgages, why it's important to make sure your property can be mortgaged, whether you're a cash buyer or buying with a mortgage, both times this is a really important point to look at and so I thought we can give it its own episode as it's something that is occasionally overlooked by investors. As always, this is brought to us by Baron and Cabot, the only company to do a 112-point due diligence checklist on every development shared with you. So without further ado, we will go into why mortgages are important. So the first thing that I try and get across to investors, regardless of whether you're a cash investor or you're buying with a mortgage, which probably accounts for about 70% of our buyers, and leverage is always an important aspect of investing. I think even if you have a position to buy a property in cash, you should investigate with us whether your returns would be better off splitting that and using leverage to your advantage. But for the purpose of this, we'll be talking about one property and why it's important that it can be mortgaged and what things we should look for in making sure a property can be mortgaged. So as part of our due diligence, you'll probably be familiar with the section on mortgages. And this is really important because when we look at property, we always want to work out our exit strategy. Ultimately, the value of our property is really just what we can either remortgage it for in a few years' time, what the bank values that at, uh, whereby we can remortgage, get some money out of the property to be able to reinvest in another investment, or it's the value that someone will buy that property from us. Now, on the latter, we want to make sure that even if we are a cash buyer, and even if we are not planning to take any money out of the business, and when I say business, I mean your business, your property portfolio. So even if we're not planning to take money out and remortgage, and we're, we're a cash owner, ultimately at some point, either yourself or your children or your grandchildren will want to be able to sell that property and get the value from that. So that's our exit strategy. Now, when I'm talking to investors, normally, the best exit strategy is selling our apartment or our house to a either a young couple or a established um, individual who will be buying that property with a mortgage. And the reason being is if we only can sell our properties to another investor, like yourself, an investor wants a deal, they want the property under market value, and therefore we will not get as much profit from selling our property as we would to an owner-occupier who will effectively spend the maximum within reason that they can afford to buy your property off you if they love that particular unit, whether it be a house or an apartment. So to maximize your investment, it's often beneficial to make sure before we even buy the property or reserve the property that it is possible to get a mortgage on there. So what are a few things that we look at? The first and foremost when looking at a property is understanding the ground rent. So ground rent changes have been a fairly recent thing. 2019, there was some big changes to what lenders will accept as a ground rent on a property. And this is preempting what's expected to be a change in government legislation this year. Effectively, what that will say is that all properties on a leasehold should have a ground rent of a maximum of 0.01 of the property value. So in 
layman's terms, that would mean that a £100,000 property would have a £100 ground rent per annum. So that's the first thing you look for, 0.01%. Now, if it's slightly over, look, it's not going to, it doesn't mean you won't get a mortgage, but do try and be within that 0.01% because it means you've got a full panel, panel of mortgage lenders and therefore, so does the person buying it. If you have a full panel of mortgage lenders, it means that you can get the cheapest mortgage rate and so you're not competing with more expensive properties that end up working out actually cheaper over the long term of the investment. The next thing is then, okay, so we've got a 0.01% ground rent. How is that ground rent increased? Because there's no point in having a 0.01% ground rent that increases so significantly that it's no longer 0.01%. So again, double check that any investment doesn't have anything like a, a ground rent that's doubling or increasing above inflation. Normally, what you want to do is you want to track it at inflation. So there's something called the retail price index. Have a Google of that or ask me about that if you're unsure how that works. But that effectively means that the ground rent will, if it tracks inflation, it will always feel the same as in that if it's £150 a year, in 20 years time, it'll still feel like the equivalent of £150. So check how that increases or what that tracks and then how often that does increase. So again, different developments will have different ranges. Some developments will increase the ground rent every five years or at least review the ground rent every five years with inflation. And if it has gone up, then they'll increase it. Some 10 years, some 20 years, etc. Some will never, ever change the ground rent, which is great. And But others will change it on slightly different terms. So I try and avoid those. Just try and follow inflation. So there are two things with regards to the mortgage, and that's particularly with the ground rent. Another thing to consider is that in most cases... Anything that would be considered a commercial property, which is student accommodation, studios, office space, etc. Generally, although you might get lending on it, you will not get a traditional mortgage in most cases. And again, this has to be considered when thinking about your exit strategy that if you bought a studio or you're planning to buy a studio, will the end user be able to get a mortgage on that? And even if they can get a mortgage, will it be a mortgage rate to justify them buying the studio? In some cases, for instance, the actual cost increase for an individual buying a one bed over a studio might only be a couple of thousand pounds on their mortgage deposit. And actually, with the mortgage rate being lower, their, their monthly payments might be the same as a studio or even less in some cases. Another thing mortgage providers would like to see on a property, obviously this is slightly different to your own personal set of circumstances, which are always different, but with regards to the, a property that you're investing in, is if it's a new build, what sort of warranty is on the new build? So there's different types of warranties, NHBC, LABC, etc. Now, what that warranty does is it's a 10-year build warranty. And effectively, what that means is that if there's an issue with the property, that warranty will kick in and it won't cost you anything to fix that, get that sorted out within the property or the building itself. So that's, that's one thing to look at. Get a copy. If you're speaking to a broker, do get a copy of the warranty. Find out what the warranty is. It should be very, very simple for them to get a, a copy of that. So have a look at it. And really what you're looking for is a, a premium warranty, something like LABC, NHBC. If you're unsure, either give it a Google, find out exactly what it is. Speak to a mortgage broker and find out where, uh, what, where they put that particular warranty. Or, of course, reach out to me, mark at barroncabot.com. I'm quite happy to respond. It's only a quick email to respond back. 
where that warranty sits and whether it's a valid or a good warranty for mortgage purposes. The next thing that you want to look at is how many floors the property has. So if it's a block of apartments, how tall is that block of apartments? Again, this is difficult because it, mortgage lenders change and this is really, or change their opinions on each development based on where it sits exactly in a city. Because the, in traditional terms, uh, mortgage lenders don't like very high buildings. So once you get over six floors, you restrict your lenders. Once you get over 13 floors, you restrict them more. Over 20 floors, you're even more restricted. And when I say restricted, what I mean is you'll have less lenders prepared to lend on that particular development. As I mentioned before, the less lenders prepared to lend, the higher your mortgage rate tends to be. Now, the nature of where this comes from is because higher buildings are harder for the fire or emergency services to get to. And therefore, if there was a fire, if that building is quite a distance away from a fire station that has the ability to deal with fires in very tall buildings, then the mortgage lender will not lend on that. This is a difficult one for you in, in an early stages when you're actually doing a comparison of properties. But what I would suggest is anything over six floors, speak to your broker and then maybe speak to a mortgage broker as well, just to understand whether that particular development and the postcode of that sits within the area that would be acceptable for mortgage lenders to lend on a tall building. One thing you should understand is that before a development's completed, most lenders will have made an opinion on that particular development or that particular property. So they may have already started their own research into it and made a decision as to whether they'd be prepared to lend on it. That's not the case with all developments. So maybe some of the smaller developments won't have that, but just it may be worth just an inquiry with a good mortgage broker to check whether some of the major lenders, the likes of NatWest Group, etc., have looked at this development already and where, whether they are prepared to lend on it. Staying on the point of fire safety and the relevance of that towards mortgage lending, we also want to look at what sort of commercial space is in a development. So again, a rule of thumb is if it's office space or restricted to retail space, then we're generally okay. But anything whereby, for instance, there's a cafe or a coffee shop within the development, that can really restrict down your lenders. Ultimately, this is based on what they perceive to be fire risk. And sometimes, even if it's a coffee shop, if it's something like a Starbucks or a Costa, a, a well-recognized chain, the lender will not mind, but in other cases, they will. Unfortunately, mortgages are one of the few where there's no real hard and fast rule, and the lenders do change their criteria quite a lot. There will always be a lender for every client and always a lender for every property. However, the more we can consider these various different aspects of it, the better rates that we'll get. So normally when I look at a new development, I do look to see whether there's any sort of bars, restaurants, coffee shops, etc., within the building or whether that will ever be allowed because it can really cause some problems for an investor. One of the other major points at the moment, which is coming up more and more and it will continue to be brought up more and more by lenders as years go by, is the amount of owner-occupiers who are invested in the block or in the development that you're investing in. Now, by nature, you as an investor are a higher risk than an owner-occupier. The theory being that you are, as an investor, you probably have your own house and you're more likely to pay your own mortgage before you pay that of an investment. 
So if you got yourself into some sort of financial difficulties, the likelihood is you're more likely to pay the, uh, your, your, the roof over your head rather than the roof over somebody else's head. Because of this, banks don't like to be, or like a development to be overexposed. So what they do like to have is a minimum of about 20% of the properties which are bought by owner occupiers. This will differ on development to development because some developments are much smaller, so require less. And so it really, that's not a hard and fast rule. Equally, really very big developments may need a lower proportion. But if you look at, what, if you look at that and ask the question to the broker, how, what proportion is being held back for owner-occupier by either the broker or by the developer, you can at very least know that they're being realistic and sensible about the investment within the development and making sure everybody can complete. Equally, because of this, they also like to see uh, help to buy, so help to buy within the development as well. So if the development's registered for help to buy, this will also make the lenders much more comfortable with a particular development. This is specifically on the off plan because help to buy is only available on new build properties. But when a, develop, uh, when a, sorry, when a lender sees that, they're aware that the developer is promoting the property to owner-occupiers within that block, and therefore they're a much more secure type of person to invest in. Now, I do understand that I've raised a lot more problems, I think, in this podcast than real solutions. I hope it doesn't come across like that. As I say, almost most developments are already set up for this because there's absolutely no value to a developer exchanging on properties that can't complete. In fact, the contrary is true. A, any developer whose development is unable to hand over at completion because of clients being unable to get a mortgage is completely catastrophic. And, it, and in fact, it can pretty much get rid of all the profits from a particular developer. The reason being is they're having to go back to market, get new investors to come in, to buy out the properties of the investors, a whole new round of legal work to do and the costs that are implicated with that. And so really, it's not in the best interest of anybody for clients not to be able to complete on a development. Because of that, 99% of developments are already, this has all been set up, this is all done, all the mortgage part of it is done prior to even taking on a development, and it's all factored into the build itself. And everybody can get a mortgage. I mean, we've, we've got mortgages for the most obscure cases of clients. It doesn't mean it's just cheap mortgage, but there's always a mortgage available. But knowing all the different factors that a lender looks at can really help in terms of picking out an investment and also doing your financial forecasts when you look at your net return. That if it's a property that has a lot of points that a mortgage company doesn't particularly like, then you can assume that your mortgage rate may be slightly higher than the average. And if you're comparing two like-for-like properties with almost the same net return, however, one looks like it'll be slightly harder to mortgage, you know that the harder to mortgage one will ultimately deliver you less in rental returns. The mortgage can be really straightforward though, so please do get in touch. If you want to speak to one of our brokers, we work with some of the best brokers in the world. So wherever you are in the world, wherever you're located, do give me, drop me an email, mark at baroncabot.com. If you're looking at a mortgage for either one of our properties or equally uh, a property that you're planning to buy elsewhere, then do reach out to us and I can get you in touch with the correct people. Don't try and mortgage just from a high street lender because often they don't know an awful lot about buy-to-let investments. 
do use a broker that's familiar with buy-to-let investments because more often than not, what you will find is that although they have a fee with them, if they're saving you money over the course of three, five, two years, whatever it may be, then you will be making more money by using them. As always, please reach out with any questions that you have. I'll try and answer them either online or on a separate podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one and I hope it was insightful. Thank you.